0: Welcome back to Infinity Watchers, everybody joined by your favorite J&J, myself, Jared, him, John. Hope everybody has had a great week. I know we both have both had a great weekend. Yeah,
1: we got, uh, got some Dungeons and Dragons in.
0: Yeah, John is the, the DM of our Dungeons and Dragons D&D campaign. Uh, it, was a, it was a fun time. Yeah, it was, it, a, it was, it was good.
1: A... This was our um, our first session in, I don't know what. 7 months, 8 months. Yeah, since September. Um, yeah, cuz we had really been gathering to due to the pandemic and then um you know, <clears throat> we didn't really want to do anything online, so we wanted to wait till we could get together in person enough of us were vaccinated, so
0: <laughs> Mhm. It was well worth the wait.
1: Yeah, it was a good time.
0: So um, other than that, how's your week been?
1: Pretty good. We've had some good weather, got some Spent some time out in the state park, and, you know, just really enjoying the the great outdoors lately.
0: Yeah. How about yourself? I was okay. Today, Today, literally, today was the first day in three months, four months where I had, I had literally nothing to do.
1: That's awesome. So
0: I just kind of filled it, doing random things around the apartment. Uh, started watching Mortal, Mortal Kombat right before.
1: I finished that this week.
0: Oh, did you? Uh uh-huh. huh. What did you think of it?
1: I liked it. I okay. mean, it was good for what it what it was. Um, <laughs> I think it was uh, a good blend of serious and cheesy. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, definitely heavier on the cheese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm only like half an hour into it, but I, I started. I, I watched the first John Wick this week. Finally and it's so hard for me to sit through mortal Kombat after sitting through that. Yeah. That it's, it's brought it down a lot for me.
1: Yeah. That's, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, it's very corny.
0: <laughs> it is. I mean, I, I, I gotta take it for what it is. I, I, I'm not trying to look too hard into it. I mean, it's a yeah. movie about martial artists punching each other, ripping yeah. spines out.
1: It's a fun popcorn flick. I Pretty mean, much. Yeah. Yeah you turn your brain off watch it for a little bit and, mm-hmm. um but yeah it was it was entertaining i think one of the weird things for me was that they chose to go with um like an original character yeah or the lead of it which i thought kind of was a <clears throat> made it feel a little bit more like fan fiction
0: kind <laughs> like of someone
1: putting themselves in the movie is what it felt like to me a little bit well i um, think
0: i think what's what's hard for me is believe it or surprisingly believe it or not i didn't grow up with mortal Kombat like other people did Mm -hmm. so it's it's hard for me to like connect to anything that's going on or any characters that pop up uh right so i'm sure there's a ton of fan service in it that i'm just not getting because i didn't grow up with that series
1: yeah i mean every time there's there's the death there they kind of go into the one-liners of like fatality like, mm-hmm. They say it out loud, <laughs> which is it's funny um, yeah, but you know it's still um yeah, yeah I mean it's not a great film, <laughs> but it's fun yeah for what it is <laughs>
0: yeah, speaking of fun things for what they are let's get into the news
1: all right um what do you got very, tap for us a pretty light week this week honestly um you know we we did not get any secret invasion news this week. No casting. Not that I saw, at least that was surprising <laughs> given how often we get <laughs> get casting news for that. Um, but we did get some news for Ironheart. Um, so we, we now know who the head writer is for that series and it's going to be Chinaka Hodge. Mm-hmm. Um, So she also wrote um, for Amazon's Amazing Stories as well as TNT's Snowpiercer series. So I think that'll be... That'll be interesting. I haven't seen either of those. I did see the original Snowpiercer film.
0: Yeah, same here.
1: But not. I didn't see anything on the series. I would like to. I've heard really good things about it. I like DeV Diggs a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he's the lead of that series. So He is. So yeah, Interesting to get uh, oh, wow. the head writer for that.
0: <clears throat> Jennifer Conley and Sean Bean are both in it, too.
1: Oh, okay.
0: I was not aware of that, and it's on HBO Match, so I guess we don't really have much of an excuse to not watch it since we were just watching, talking about watching Mortal Kombat this week.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you definitely know that at least one of the characters is going to die, given that Sean Bean is in the movie. Yeah, or the series. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good to get the the head writer for Ironheart. I'm um, really excited about that one. I'm, I've been a fan of most of what I read of Riri Williams, um, aka Ironheart. So I'm excited to see what the series is about, especially you know, given that you know Tony. Didn't make it out of Endgame alive. You're, it it makes this and Armor Wars very interesting to kind of see how they deal with the fallout of his legacy and mm-hmm. know, him not being in the world anymore. So, I think there's a lot of lot of potential in this series. Um, you know, Snowpiercer's definitely a highly regarded series from what mm-hmm. I can tell. So, mm-hmm. see, I get, don't get a get a writer from that.
0: I don't have much knowledge of Riri Williams. Can um, you give just a little bit of background on what you know?
1: Yes, she's basically an, um, I think she's an MIT student, and she mm-hmm. ends up making her own Iron Man armor. So it's nothing that's inherited or passed down to her, but mm-hmm. she's um, kind of like a, a teen genius, I guess. Um, and she makes her armor um, and then kind of just starts doing vigilante stuff and <laughs> eventually okay. catches the eye of Tony and he kind of mentors her a little bit. Um, and in the comics, she also actually has a Tony Stark AI. Oh, okay. Um, after Tony has died in the comics. Um, do you think now an AI for they her.
0: try and bring Robert Downey Jr. back as an AI in this case?
1: I don't think. I think it's more likely that they just have like Rhodey be her mentor or okay. just have her do her own thing, honestly, which would be fine too.
0: I wonder, since you mentioned she's an MIT student, if they tie her, tie her back to the crowd at the beginning of Civil Civil War, where uh, he had funded all of the projects of the students in that room.
1: Mm, That could be. Yeah. That could be. Yeah, I'd be interested to see that. That'd be a nice way to to tie back to that. For sure. I like that idea. So we could see that. um, No, she also played a a role in, um, there's there's a comic storyline, I think it's called The uh, Infamous Iron Man. Um, and it's after Tony's death and it kind of deals with the fallout of his death and the legacy of him where um, Dr. Doom actually takes up the Iron Man mantle (laughs) and and it's like very genuine like he actually wants to you know play the role that Tony did and be a hero and stuff and like no one the whole the whole storylines about no one accepting him as as a hero and no one will see him as that and they all think he has an ulterior motive but he actually doesn't
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty. That's pretty good.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really it's a really cool run. Riri Williams is um, a part of that as well. Um, she even gets into kind of a a standoff with Doom, which is kind of crazy. But
0: so it sounds know. like if I had to guess, those are the two main uh, comic book runs that are going to start pulling from for this series.
1: It could be. Yeah, I could see them doing some sort of similar.
0: Maybe not with Doom, with but it
1: without Doom, if they do Hammer. It could mm-hmm. be Justin Hammer, um, or something like that. I don't know. There, there could be a brand new villain that that tries to take up the mantle or something like that, and she has to kind of step in. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. I'm I'm definitely excited about it. Um, I think you know we between Peter Parker, Riri Williams, and and Rhodey, I think we're gonna have a really cool look at the post Tony Stark world
0: yeah yeah we started i know at the end of far from or in far from home we started to explore what that world is like so i'd like to see and that was from one person's point of view two actually because of uh happy happy so I, i would like to see how his death impacted the rest of the world in this case because of how influential tony was in this world i mean his uh, iron man one started this entire universe so not only was he influential in within the mcu there's kind of a meta con meta read or meta context of how his influence impacts the franchise
1: yeah definitely Uh, this would be a series i could see you know happy coming back for Mm -hmm. um you know you you wonder if they get gwyneth paltrow back as pepper potts um roadie definitely i think roadie's almost a, a guarantee for this one mm-hmm. um there, there's no no way he wouldn't be in this and i actually wouldn't be surprised if she showed up in armor wars as well
0: yeah or at um, least is mentioned
1: yeah yep yeah. just because it, it only makes sense if that show is like you know technology getting out in the field into the wrong hands i think you know roadie could use more firepower or um maybe she maybe she steals the tech or something i don't think i'll go that route because kind of the point of her character is that she made her own armor um but yeah
0: i'm excited i have been i've been waiting since since this series was announced i've been excited to see what comes of it because we haven't really gotten much on it it seems like they're starting to push um obviously what's slated for this year but a uh, secret invasion a lot right now mm-hmm. in terms of series
1: yeah and i i think it kind of shows their faith from uh, in what they've seen so far from the Disney plus productions. So everything that's been filming, everything that's been in pre-production, I think they're really confident in it that they're, they're scaling out this much. Mm -hmm. Um, And Ironheart just being the latest example of that. What really makes me excited is I just want to see what, what a a Disney plus series with an original character looks like, or not an original, but a new what a Disney plus series with a new character looks like.
0: Well, we did that this year too with Miss Marvel
1: Yeah, exactly. That one's actually going to be the closest to what this one will look like. You know, kind of being like um, focusing on a young Avenger, basically, you know, Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm excited. The next thing we had to talk about, um, these next two aren't really MCU news stories or anything like that. But um, Adam McKay was on a podcast talking about his Silver Surfer movie that was in development at Fox. Um, and just talking a little bit about that, it seems like that was a casualty of the Disney Fox merger, but I just put it on here because I thought it's worth talking about because, you know, he has ties to the MCU being, um, I think he he co-wrote Ant-Man.
0: Yeah. He was brought in, uh, after Edgar Wright was ousted from Ant-Man, uh, to, uh, kind of clean up the script or they, as they say in the business, punch up the script. So add Mm -hmm. some more humor to it. Um, I mean, I like Adam McKay as a person, and I like him as a writer. Uh, His stuff from SNL is amazing, and everything he's done post-SNL has been just incredible. Uh, His his run of Will Ferrell movies, um, the other guys being my favorite of them, (laughs) Um, and then everything after that run where he has basically become the 2000s anti-Republican guy if you will (laughs) or uh he's he's very uh he's very left-leaning and so when I found out he was when the trailer for the bid short dropped I got very excited because I had just started reading that book for a project for a paper in school and when I saw he was attached to it I got very excited to see (laughs) what he was able to do with it um but I remember when he was touring or when yeah, when he was promoting the bid short, uh, people would ask him about this Silver Surfer project, and uh-huh. and he had he had a lot of um he had, he definitely has a lot of love for this character yeah, and I would love to see what he can do because yeah he's he's the Will Ferrell guy and the uh, and the anti uh, bid business and anti Republican guy, but he knows what he he has a genuine uh, passion for. The Silver Surfer, yeah, it that seems th- that way. I feel like would uh, he could do justice to to him.
1: Yeah, I, I would be really excited to see it. I mean, I just want to I just want to see that Silver Surfer character fleshed out. I think there's a lot of cool potential there. Um, you almost get the sense that if it happens, this would be like a, a prime for a Disney Plus series. Pretty much. But um, I I think either way. Based on his passion, talking about it before, I wouldn't be surprised if there were at least some sort of discussions with Kevin Feige between he and Adam McKay about it. Given mm-hmm. that they already, you know, have a working relationship to a degree,
0: I feel like if you do this, if he does this project, you have to have a Galactus ready to primed and ready to ready to go. Whether this yeah. is how you introduce the MCU to Galactus, or definitely, or you hint toward him, but I feel I really feel like you can't get around. Doing a Silver Surfer project without having some reference to Galactus, right? So this yeah, could be not. if they if they do this, it could be years down the road. Yeah, especially definitely. if they're if they're uh, introducing of the Conqueror and Quantum Mania as like the next big bad of this phase of the MCU, these you couple phases of the MCU. So it it could be another uh, almost another decade before we get something along these lines.
1: Yeah, very true. But yeah, just nothing, um, no immediate quote unquote news, but it's still, um, something notable, I think to kind of keep our eye on going forward as we get into phase five and six and beyond, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, um, so our next one's another little bit of lighthearted news. So (laughs) Anthony Mackie was doing an interview and he mentioned that he found out that Captain America four was in, in development from, um, An employee in the grocery store as he was checking out the guy was like hey did you see this but no he he was like no (laughs) so um we we all know we talked about that last week i think that it it hit the hit the presses that captain america 4 was in development with mackie um leading that and apparently that was news to him (laughs) i mean it's still it's still that's not to say it's not legitimate it definitely is still happening but um it just seems that Mackie wasn't in the loop
0: (laughs) that's not the first time this has happened yeah I I remember seeing uh I remember seeing an interview with Chadwick Boseman uh when he went to the Infinity War premiere that's when he found out that T'Challa was killed off the end of Infinity War (laughs) like they they didn't tell certain actors like Uh what happens at that point
1: well right because I mean his uh the way his death was shot especially if you look back on it it could have been either he or (laughs) a Koye that went in that scene. So maybe they didn't tell them who it was filmed, both versions of the shot. (laughs) Right. Just to keep it under wraps. So it was, um, that is, that is interesting. What this reminded me of was like in sports, when athletes find out on Twitter (laughs) that they got traded, (laughs) like that's what it, it, it it made me think of that. Um, so, (laughs) but anyways, just fun. I, I've been watching a lot of Mackey's interviews on his most recent press tour, and he's hilarious. He's a, <laughs> a he's, of,
0: a he's, a, he's a great interview to watch.
1: Oh, he is for sure. He's super charismatic. I mean, that comes out in his character, but he also is genuinely like that.
0: I will say, uh, I, I'm starting to, the more I see the, uh, the Falcon suit, I'm starting to, not the Falcon suit, the more I see the new Captain America suit, I enjoy it a lot more. My mm-hmm. like at first, it it did look just like a costume to me, but the more I see it uh, of him standing in it, the more I start to appreciate it. It's it's growing on me. Part of the reason why I I, I started to appreciate it was uh, the event or the Marvel Assembled came out this week. Uh, the behind the scenes episode for the Falcon, and the Winter Soldier, and there were some pretty good highlights in it. One of my favorites, though, is about the the cow on the on the suit because it's when when they decided they were going to make the cow just a cloth cow, there would be little gaps around like the base of the the head, and because when Matty's head would move, uh, there those gaps would appear. They had to be digitally edited out so it looked like the mesh just moved with his head constantly. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many little digital effects that you don't even notice are. Are done on some of these costumes
1: yeah and that i mean it wasn't jarring at all and it makes sense when you think about it that that wouldn't behave like a normal cow mm-hmm. would because it's you know vibranium from wakanda so
0: um and i remember i remember i have i i have an acquaintance who worked on the first avengers and she was saying that it went, because it filmed around our area in in some scenes did, um, but I remember her saying that the the Iron Man suit at the time, it was literally just a plastic, um, like a plastic statue for Robert Downey Jr. to stand in. Like he at, he physically couldn't move in it. Like he just stood there with his arms right. out and you it, his face was the only thing that could physically move. So every literally everything else was digitally added post-production.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> It's unbelievable. <laughs> what did you um? What did you think of the assembled um, episode for for this? I series? liked it.
0: Uh, I'm, it makes me appreciate the show a little bit more. Uh, I I like the <laughs> fact that Spellman kind of addresses the Sharon Carter arc that he yeah. wasn't really on board with it, but um, that they did what they could.
1: Yeah, and he he was like, oh, I, we realized that, you know, as it went, it worked for sure. And I was like, oh, no, you should have gone with your first yeah. thing because it didn't work. <laughs> um, one of my, uh, another quote that I thought was pretty telling was they were like, you know, the entire plot of the series doesn't work without Aaron Kellyman. So it, it, what that confirms to me is that they knew that the power broker stuff was, or the, the I'm sorry, the flag smasher stuff was a little mm-hmm. shaky. <laughs> And they were really relying on the the acting ability of Aaron Kellyman to carry it, and I think I mean I think that yeah she through. I mean she for the series she did a great she worked with I what she had. Any of our criticisms about the flag smashers weren't any fault of mm-hmm. hers, I think, and they were right in their assessment of of her. I,
0: I was surprised how much of it was actually completed after COVID. It was yeah. almost the whole show. Cause... Yeah,
1: that was a, it was such an interesting look at how COVID actually affected this where they like called the entire staff at like one in the morning so you're getting on a plane everybody has to be on a plane home now. yeah yeah and then they talked about filming in Puerto Rico they just hit another disaster <laughs> with the earthquakes and it was like the day the day the night before they were supposed to leave it got hit with another earthquake and they pulled some of their people out and you know it was just uh devastating for
0: well it it just goes to show you how much time and effort and how many outside experts go into these productions it's not just the cast and crew and the producers on in the studios like when puerto rico was first hit with that earthquake they were supposed to be shooting there but uh decided not to go and postpone it but they had to bring in seismologists to monitor to monitor puerto rico to make sure it was safe to go back and right even the seismologists were saying it's it's safe to go and then the night before it hit so right it it's interesting to think how many people outside of the actual movie industry get tapped to help production
1: yeah it's amazing and one of the uh one of the things that really stuck out to me in that same kind of sense is when they were filming the scene at the um the the bar was the brass monkey correct Uh, they were talking about that in the wall of the, the monkey mm-hmm. skulls that were behind them. And what they did was buy one online and then have, send it to their props crew and they cast that and like made a hundred replicas <laughs> of it and then put it on the wall. I just thought it was so neat to kind of something that's in the background that is, you know, noticeable but kind of just there, like how much effort goes into to producing for that. something
0: that's going to sit in the background.
1: While we're talking a little bit about Madripoor, another cool thing was how they Everything they filmed outside and in, in Madripoor <laughs> minus like the bridge mm-hmm. was in that one alley in Atlanta mm-hmm. that they turned in It was so cool, just so neat to see that. Where they, the, uh, I think, um, Kari Scoglin mentioned she was walking and with their like set producer, and <laughs> they were walking in that alley and they kind of shared a look like, Is this our Madripoor? <laughs> like, and they, they agreed that it was. It was really, really neat. <laughs> um, also, how about Sukovia?
0: kovia I was hoping uh, you were you were gonna mention this or I was gonna bring it up. Yep. Daniel Brule was a gem.
1: Oh, he's fantastic. <laughs> that was that was great. I it reminded me of a WandaVision. Pretty at, much. <laughs> didn't it? Like you could just, you could have just seen that dropped in one of the episodes and it would have worked. <laughs> I thought oh, that was great. He's he's awesome. I I can't wait to see more of him in the MCU eventually yeah but i mean i think that's about it for the news that i don't think there was anything else really notable from the assembled series um to talk about but so that wraps our news for the week um so are you ready to do a little fan casting that i am all right so this week our fan cast is sue storm aka the invisible woman uh, previously if you're if you're interested in more of our fantastic four and fantastic four adjacent castings um last week we did dr doom and the week before we did reed richards so uh, we're kind of continuing that theme of the fantastic four and hitting sue storm this week um so for sue like like reed we did um three choices each but i think we each have a couple honorable mentions as well we did for why don't you go ahead with your your honorable... Well, interest. before
0: I started with that, for, for context, the uh, we didn't really mention the, the actors who played uh, Reed Richards and Von Doom in the last two iterations. Uh, but just for anyone who's curious, uh, Jessica Alba played her in the 2005 and 2007 version of Fantastic Four, and Kate Mara played her in the Fan Forced It version in 2015. So, yep. which is I really <laughs> I haven't seen fan four stitch and I almost put Kate Mara down <laughs> as one of my picks <laughs> without <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> without <laughs> I forgot that she was actually already Sue. <laughs> so it was no. I
1: Miles Teller would make a great read.
0: Yeah, he would. Of course, he would. <laughs> uh, so I see. I had a lot of trouble with with this one. I have a lot of pits and. I have more than I have more than five, um, so I was able to get rid of three easily enough. Uh, but my first spot was has been solid for a while. My second spot I I put in place uh, just a few weeks ago. My third spot, right before we started recording this, is where I was having trouble. So my two honorable mentions are going to go to Tony Collette, and Terry Russell.
1: Oh, okay, nice. So my my two honorable mentions are Sorcerer Ronan and Zazzy Beats.
0: See, I almost put Zazzy Beats down, but that's complicated. With with I know, the,
1: and that's why I don't have her in my top. Three because
0: guys. of the <laughs> because of Domino in Deadpool. Deadpool two. So yeah, I I wanted to put her down, but yeah, that's. That's where the if problem is. If
1: they don't bring Domino over, it could provide for uh, a meta Deadpool. Joke, it could. So,
0: she's also in.
1: <laughs> you look like Domino or something. Like
0: she's I, also in Invincible. She oh, is. Okay. Uh, that that cast is stacked. Uh, by the way, I just finished Invincible this week. If you're listening to this podcast, go watch it. You're really missing out yeah. if you haven't seen yeah, it yet. Yeah, I, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> I haven't. The last episode <laughs> just recontextualizes everything that the show has done so far. Oh, yeah.
1: really? Wow.
0: <laughs> so out. anyway. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> so those are my two honorable mentions. I would probably have Zazzy beats higher if it wasn't for Domino. Um, for for those who don't know what we're referring to, is she played Domino um, in Deadpool 2. So with the the talks of Deadpool joining the MCU and Ryan Reynolds playing him, we don't know if it's going to be the same version of that character, if he's just going to kind of waltz through the multiverse and end <laughs> up in the MCU or, um, or what's going to happen. And we have no idea if the extended cast is going to be there or played by the same actors at all, so... Um you could see Domino being kind of a big enough role that they wouldn't use the same actor for Susan. We'll be
0: lucky enough to so. make her over to the MCU in one way or another.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. So that being said, um, who is your number three? Why don't you give us a kick? Us so
0: your... my number three is Olivia cook. Okay. So for, those of you that don't know who she is, she was Artemis in Ready Player One. Uh, she was Lou in Sound of Metal, and uh she was Rachel in Meteor Earl and the Dying Girl. Um, I thought she was absolutely fantastic in Sound of Metal. And I mean Ready Player One is what it is. That character isn't that character <laughs> isn't well written. Uh, I think she has a lot of potential to uh work in a blockbuster setting. Um and I really like where her career is going so i think going from more quieter indie hits except for uh, ouija all the way up to being in house of the dragon which is that which is that oh, game really of thrones spinoff for um right. dealing with the building of the house of targaryen um i i think she's pretty much primed to be in the mcu after the uh after the announcement of Amelia Clark last week and the slew of other and M- game of Thrones castings that have come mm-hmm. over to the, right. the MCU.
1: Okay. Awesome. I like that casting a lot. I, I had, I'm not really familiar with the work. I haven't seen anything. I don't think that she's, that she's been in. Um, but I, I definitely will, will check it out. All that being said. Okay. My number three is Evan Rachel Wood. Oh, okay. So Evan Rachel Wood, um, right now, is best known as the the star of Westworld. She plays Dolores mm-hmm. there, um, one of the one of the quote unquote robots, I guess, <laughs> in the in the Westworld park. So um, she's basically one of the three leads yeah. of that series, I would say, and um, she's done a phenomenal job there. Um, kind of has a working relationship with. Um Disney already. She was um one of the voice actors for Frozen too. Mm-hmm. Um but but yeah, I mean I think she's a pretty great actress. Um she also was in across the universe. Um she played the, the lead role in that as well. Um so I, I think she's a really talented actress and I'd like to see her in this role.
0: All right, for All right. for my number two, I have Anna de Armas.
1: Oh, I, I considered her for this and then I saved her for okay.
0: something else. <laughs> so, so her, she's kind of been around a little bit for the past decade, um, mainly working in uh, Spanish TV series and films, uh, but in kind of broke through in smaller roles with War Dogs and Blade Runner 2049. But her breakout easily was Knives Out as Marta, the nurse. And that's where she yep. became a household name. I and she's expected or not expected to be, she is in the new James Bond coming up, uh, in No Time to Die. Oh. So, I think this would only be the next, um, logical step in her career. And she has the chops, I think, and she has the chops to play Sue Storm. And I think if they wanted to skew younger, she would be a, a perfect fit.
1: Yeah, I like that. That's a good casting. I, I definitely had that one. I, I definitely had her on my list at some point as I was shuffling it around with <laughs> a larger set of names. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's talented. I love her character. Knives Out, she was really great in that. You know, and to stand out in that cast with the, the heavy hitters they have yeah. is, is really impressive. So, yep, great. I love it. Um, so my, my number two pick is Rachel Brosnahan. Um, so Rachel Brosnahan is known for uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel as well as um, House of Cards and then a a couple other things in there but those those are the two I've seen her in who was
0: she in House of Cards
1: uh, she was Rachel oh oh (laughs) yeah (laughs) um I I haven't seen House of Cards in seven or eight years any of it that character sticks out though I can't Yeah, that I mean, that character sticks out. If you know the series, it's really hard for me to just go back and watch because of the Kevin Spacey factor yeah. of it, and especially with the character he plays in that, it's really hard mm-hmm. to watch knowing what we know. But, um, but yeah, she was really great in that series. It's a very dramatic, um, and dark role that she plays, in that. Um, and then it's a much more lighthearted role, um, for what I've seen so far of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I don't know if it takes a turn or anything, but. Um, in that in that role she kind of plays a, a stand-up comedian well she starts as the wife to a stand-up comedian and then ends, ends up um, you know having her own stand-up career so to say see
0: that, that's a um, series that's been on my list for years now and everybody's told me to, to watch it and i just haven't gotten around to it
1: yeah i i think she has a great range and would be really awesome really really awesome in this role um and i i would love to see it all right, so your number one. So
0: my number one is Jillian Jacobs.
1: Oh, okay, I like it. Br- I had her on my list too. Was kicking her, kicking it around. Britta
0: from Community. So I mean, Community and the MCU have very strong ties to each other. Uh, I binged all of Community over right before Christmas, over and like the days off I had in between Christmas and New Year's. So she's been stuck in my head ever since. And I think she is a, she'd be a great Sue. Uh, she, she also voices Adam Eve on invincible. So just seeing her in, <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, I've been trying to pull from that show as much as I can as well, because that, yeah. that voice cast is just outstanding. The, the <laughs> a-listers they have on it, but um, so she had, she has a lot of potential to be a great uh, a great sue she's very funny and charismatic uh she can also be the voice of reason at times um and i mean that's her whole shtick in community as well uh mm-hmm. except that at a point she just becomes the the butt of every of the joke for everybody um yeah. but i i i think she has a lot of i think it's a i think it would be a good fit
1: yeah i really like her in love on mm-hmm. netflix um where she stars opposite paul rust um which is a really really great series
0: Um, not to mention she played supernova and on rick and morty so she's already been part of a team up of of superheroes so she she actually she's been she's done this before
1: yeah and she actually um directed an episode of the marvel 616 show oh yeah you're right as well so she kind of has ties to um marvel on disney plus already so <laughs> so you kind of uh there's there's a natural connection there mm-hmm. that'd be awesome I, I would love to see that as well all right so who's your top my pick? number one my number one pick um is annie murphy so she is best known and probably only known for playing alexis rose on schitt's creek
0: you know okay <laughs> so i almost put her on my list i almost did she
1: is a very I don't want to say a joke character, but she's a very, uh, a caricature. Her character is a caricature for sure. Yeah. Um, But there are some heavier moments that show that she shows a lot of range in. Um, And it looks like the, the series that she's in um, coming out shortly this year, Kevin can F himself (laughs) looks really funny. She's in the lead role. Um, It looks heavy and funny where, basically this this series oh, yeah. is kind of like one division a little bit mm-hmm. where it's like she lives in a sitcom but it's about what she does with her life outside of the sitcom and like when she's with her husband she's in the sitcom and he's he's um like berating her and, and she's kind of like the brunt of all of the jokes and then she's like struggling to deal with her marriage and everything outside of that mm-hmm. like off camera um it's really it's really cool looking um but i think she is a fantastic actress she's incredibly hilarious in Schitt's Creek. Um, Maybe my favorite character on that show.
0: And she's slated to, um, she's slated to start or at least be in season two of Russian doll, which had a, was a very darkly comedic show. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, you know, now that you say it, I'm not, I wouldn't be opposed to putting her in in the top three, maybe replacing Olivia cook, but yeah i just
1: i just want to i would i would love to see this because i think mm-hmm. her work on that has warranted a closer work, look at more dramatic and serious roles and it's the mcu so you have to have that comedic aspect mm-hmm. um but i i think you know the, the because the character of alexis is like at least in the earlier seasons of Shits creek is more like dumb and one note sort of it would be yeah. kind of funny to see her play the opposite and i definitely from that show i mean you can tell she has the the acting chops
0: do you think she has become too and i mean this is any this is any actor actress we're, we're i'm talking about here do you think annie murphy has become too closely associated with lettuce rose at this point that it'd be hard not to bring that character into for the audience to project that character onto sue storm i don't think okay
1: i really don't think so i mean the show has eugene levy and he was able to like not project the dad from (laughs) so (laughs) that's fair i mean I, i i think she would be i think she would be um i think it would be fine i mean you you saw what the mcu did to chris pratt who was kind of in a similar role in a popular sitcom yeah
0: i guess so i guess a lot of people would have uh projected andy on could have projected andy right on to peter but that
1: i feel like yeah i feel like i even kind of did with like for the first like maybe 10 to 15 minutes of the movie before you really established who Peter Quill is. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, bringing that she's a very energetic actress. Um, I liked you know, that. Very expressive. And I think it would be, I think it'd be a fun add to the MCU. Yeah. The, sure. the
0: more, the more you're talking about it, the more I like it. Cause, cause I did, I was going to put her on the list and then started going back and forth on whether or not I yeah. should. I liked that. Yeah.
1: And, and you, I mean, in Shits creek you see her ability to kind of play off of a lot of other actors um mm-hmm. as well so you know if you put her in kind of that family dynamic in the fantastic four it could be it could be gold
0: all right i i like it let's see it happen i want to start a petition yeah. now
1: <laughs> yeah so i think next week um i think we're slated to do johnny storm we are so we'll we'll get working on that that one's a little more difficult for me see i
0: have I, i've i have uh seven pits already for johnny storm yeah like every time see, they with
1: that one what what gets me is i feel like they're gonna skew younger for mm-hmm. that and i almost feel like the actor that it's gonna be a i think it'll be a lesser known name for that one it's just just based on like kind of like a tom holland type thing you know
0: I feel like it's going to be either somebody who's not well known. It isn't a household name or is known to like only certain sets of the population, or it's going to be a stunt cast of some sort.
1: (laughs) It could be. Yeah. But yeah, we're what we plan on doing is after we get through Johnny and Ben Grimm, um, we're going to pick our top choices for the fantastic four. And that is going to, be kind of a discussion where we we hash it out you know and we decide who is the best for to to play these roles you Mm -hmm. know in in that group dynamic assuming they all get cast together like what what does our ideal fantastic four look like given our our choices for these roles kind of in a silo individually Mm -hmm. like how how could how could these actors play together as the fantastic four so That'll be a fun discussion. I'm definitely looking forward to that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're it's going to be like a uh, almost like the draft, the NFL, NHL draft.
1: Yeah, yeah, it will be. All right, with that, I think it's time to get into our rankings.
0: It's about time. Uh huh. Only been hyping it up for a few weeks now.
1: We have been. Yeah, it's exciting to talk about because the there are so many properties. We have 25 things to rank. <laughs> And, you know, we're going to be adding, what, like, eight things to that list by the end of this year?
0: Probably. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, I think you mentioned last week that uh, we might have to start ranking series and movies separately. And I, I, I think I'm starting to agree with you now. Now that I'm actually looking at my list, that only makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to get very difficult to <laughs> play some of these. I was having trouble with Falcon and the Winter Soldier because with the series and being so much longer, like we talked about it last week, but there are highs and lows to them right and that makes it mm. so hard to rank <laughs> whereas the movie's a little bit more like stable for the most part right um but yeah i mean we're we're gonna start here at 25 and work our way back to um we're gonna hit our number 13 this week 25 to 13 and then uh next week we'll be we'll be coming at you with our top 12
0: yeah good stuff
1: mm-hmm. good so stuff. jared do you want to uh would you want to kick it off with your number 25 ranked movie?
0: I sure would. Uh, my number 25 kicking things off is Thor. The dark Thor. Thor the is dark, dark Thor. world. Yeah. It uh, doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> this movie really doesn't matter. Uh, I, I know. I know a lot of people that give the MCU a lot of uh, gripes for being generic, bloated and boring. Mm-hmm. This sums it up pretty well. Uh there's there's a lot of missed potential in this one, I think, because in, in the one of the best changes I've seen to this movie is that this should have been a Lord of the Rings epic knockoff oh, yeah. of some sort or a Game of Thrones knockoff, especially since it was directed by Alan Taylor, who's known for working on Game of Thrones. Right? Um, like they they I think they really dropped the ball on this one. Uh, I, I have no reason to go back to it, no reason to uh, to revisit it, and it's it's always gonna sit at the bottom for me
1: yeah and i i I have it near the bottom too um you know we're gonna i I don't have it as my 25th so you know the way the way we're gonna do this is as we bring up movies talk completely about them and then as we hit the point in either of our rankings where that movie falls we'll just kind of address it there instead of Mm -hmm. doubling down um i i will preface my rankings by saying I, i think you know if i had to give like an a through f ranking to to the MCU films, I don't think any of them would be lower than a C because they're at least no. entertaining. Yeah. So this, I the way I kind of built my rankings was by breaking them into tiers by letter, um, okay. and then ranking them within that tier. That's kind of the methodology I used. Okay. And you know, I have I have Dark World in my in my C tier. I'll get to where exactly in my ranking it falls, but yeah, for everything you just said, the the missed potential, the disinterested actors. Um, like Natalie Portman and Christopher Eccleston like they they just clearly didn't want to beat there everybody and
0: is one note in this everybody is just bland um I would say I,
1: except Tom Hiddleston <laughs> he brings he's, it every time I mean he's a
0: standout in, in everything yeah. he's in mm-hmm. but I, I, I kind of did my rankings based on either what the potential of the MCU is or how I and and how I enjoy them the most mm-hmm. um so if Basically, the more creative they got with it or the more original or unique they got with it, uh, I gave them more points in my mind. So that's why this one got pushed all the way to the bottom. There wasn't mm. anything new, original, or essentially fresh about this entry. And, I mean, the whole yep. thing ends with a giant laser beam in the sky again Yeah, to an extent. And this really was only there to introduce the ether, which they just recap the entire plot of it in end game anyway. So you don't really yeah. need to watch this in the no. end.
1: No, but I, I think this, one of the biggest things that disappointed me about this movie, um, not in the moment because I, I hadn't read a lot of the comics leading up to the actual release of this movie. But in um, a few years ago, I read Jason Aaron's Thor run um, where the Jane Foster Thor character was first introduced and Malekith is pretty fairly prominent in that okay and the character of Malekith in the comics versus what we got here is so different and Malekith is kind of like almost like a Loki-esque character like he's very Mm -hmm. um eccentric and and very lively and um you just got none of that here I mean Christopher Eccleston's Malekith was just boring this movie was afraid to take literally any risk at all Mm mm-hmm and it it just was very one note it felt like the days of kind of the early dc movies now i think the some of the cgi was cool some of the the set pieces were okay in space and asgard but you know even getting down to the the set piece of the final battle just being in that very grayscale um area in london was just boring right yeah i have it i have it pretty low we'll get to it but um Uh, if I could go into my 25th movie I have what do you have um, the Incredible Hulk
0: so the one I forgot about last week yeah (laughs) you
1: forgot about that last week so I it's not a terrible movie it's completely irrelevant to the MCU I feel Mm -hmm. like you could you could very truly skip this movie and miss nothing maybe that changes when we get Abomination back in She-Hulk and there's a little bit of the the ley lines there. I mean, we we we're introduced to Bruce Banner. We're introduced to. Thunderbolt He's not Ross. even
0: Mark Ruffalo.
1: Right. Exactly. Zed Norton. Yep. So we're we're introduced to him. We're introduced to Thunderbolt Ross, and they use Ross again down the road. They obviously use Hulk down the road, mm-hmm. but Ross never references the events of this movie again. Ever. I mean, even in the Sokovia Accords footage, footage, right, in Civil War, when he's talking about destruction, like he could have said Harlem and showed a picture of the Hulk or something, you know, (laughs) like a a story he had a very personal connection to and they just kind of act like it doesn't exist, which Mm -hmm. it's... The movie's not bad itself. It's okay. I think it's very hard to make a a solid Hulk movie Um, super compelling. So that's why I have it down there. I just feel like it doesn't really fit in the universe. Um, And they they don't really want to go back to it because they don't want to make a Hulk movie or they're not allowed to make a Hulk movie without well, yeah. universal getting distribution rates.
0: See, I have it a little bit higher. Uh, it, it doesn't go that much farther up, but uh, I do have it a little bit higher just based on Edward Norton as Bruce Banner. I actually bought it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um I, I overall yeah I think the movie itself is kind of all over the board between uh, I think Tim Blake Nelson becoming the leader was a little out of place and you could tell they were trying to set him up as a, as another villain down the line. Mm-hmm. Um I liked his performance though. Um every yeah, everybody's performance in it was fine. Um the tie in was a little odd of just kind of shoehorning shoehorning in Tony Stark at, in the post credit mm-hmm. scene to say hey I'm putting the team together. He's not putting a team together. He's yeah. now recruiting for somebody who's putting a team together. Yeah, um, that
1: was that was very. It was very cool at the time. Like my mm-hmm. God, I was like, oh my goodness! But looking back, <laughs> it's like they didn't even need that because it didn't pan out. Like they just recruited Hulk in a different way later, right? <laughs> so I think they actually were trying to recruit Abomination. Possibly. I think that's fleshed out in one of the shorts because he was like a government operative sort of. Okay. Um, as opposed to Bruce Banner, who is more rogue. But anyways.
0: I th- I mean, I think it's more entertaining than uh, The Dark World and the other two that I have uh, in between. I have it at 22. We'll, we'll gloss over to Dan at that point. But uh, I think it's more entertaining than those other ones. But I think, yeah, you're right. It mm. it stands on its own. I'll say that. Yeah. Literally.
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what what do you have at your 24?
0: All right. Number 24. I have Ant-Man and the Wasp, or as I like to describe it as the MCU version of Diet Coke. (laughs) I mean, there's there's almost nothing to this. It's light. It's airy. It's fun. Uh, It was it was a fun summer movie, especially coming after Infinity War. But coming out of the theater, I forgot everything that happened in it. The writing is all over the place. Walton Gardens is wasted. Evangeline yeah. Lilly is wasted. Tim Heidecker has a cameo in it for some reason. Um, they just outright change rules in this that uh, were established in other movies that don't affect it here. For example, Scott becoming large and feeling tired. <laughs> all of a sudden, mm-hmm. he just... That didn't happen before, but now mm-hmm. it... Uh, I... I mean it does give us our introduction to Jimmy Woo, who becomes a prominent player down the line. And that's probably the only redeeming thing about it. The 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 post credit scene was probably the only uh it's probably the only major thing I liked about it. And that was only because it was setting up endgame at that point. Right. So you could literally find the post credit scene somewhere online and you would be fine without watching anything else in this
1: yeah i i enjoyed it it i mean it it truly felt like just more of the first ant-man movie like i don't think they did anything that was incredible i mean even with a lot of the jokes they just kind of iterated on them or did the same jokes again some of them were really funny though i mean like scott Mm -hmm. in the school that like medium size was really funny yeah but um at the same time i mean ghost was okay for a sympathetic villain Um, they shoehorned too many like enemy factions chasing them Mm -hmm. at the same time and that didn't really mesh that well Um, I felt like it kind of made it unfocused like what was Walter Goggins character doing now maybe he's working for the power broker at that time I don't know (laughs) but um, it, it just yeah I think especially coming after Infinity War it just felt like too drastic of a tonal shift like I almost was waiting for some reference to the events of infinity war before that post-credit scene you know like Mm -hmm. it almost felt like you expected that based on that ending of infinity war so i don't think the placement of it on the release timeline helped it any
0: well i think setting in after infinity war is a good idea because uh, you go from this very heavy downer of an ending of infinity war the empire strikes back of this universe yeah to something a lot more uplifting and fun and i can appreciate that because not everything at this point has to be real dour and uh depressing and macabre but story wise plot wise there's just there are too many moving pieces and there's just a lot of padding in this one to me that doesn't need to be there yeah the scene with scott and the school was funny but there's really no point to it yeah i I won't lie the uh The ant playing the drums at the end in the post credit scene is kind of funny, looking back mm-hmm. on it. it it at first, it was dumb, but the more I think about it, the funnier it gets, yeah, and that emergency alert system, like yeah, is legitimately scary when you yeah. go back to it,
1: definitely. I think the um my one of my favorite bits from the movie was the um Janet like possessing Scott through like quantum entanglement or something. <laughs> and, oh yeah, and Paul Rudd Paul Rudd playing Scott Lang playing Janet Van Dyne. <laughs> I thought it was I forgot was about pretty that. funny. I thought that was a good bit. So I mean, I I, I didn't have it as low um, as you. We'll get to exactly where I had it, but I actually have this a uh, tier higher in my B tier. So, which we're not that okay. far away from, to be honest. There's only a good <laughs> few movies I have down here in the C tier.
0: So, all right. So, let's hear your number twenty-four.
1: Uh, my number twenty-four was The Dark World. So,
0: all right. Uh, so, let's hear your twenty-three.
1: Okay, my twenty-three was Thor.
0: Okay, let's hear. Yeah. It.
1: So, I I rewatched it recently, and it's it's a good introduction to the character to a point. Um, the version. It's very jarring to go back and watch Hemsworth play this mm-hmm. version of Thor after, you know, Ragnarok redefining the <laughs> character and even really like his like Age of Ultron. And I just felt like even from that point, it was a different Thor. Well,
0: at and, this point, it felt like they never truly knew what to do with this character. It, mm-hmm. They tried to set it up as this Shakespearean family drama. And I mean, it's directed by Kenneth Branagh, who's known for his work in Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So it made sense. And having the Norse pantheon bickle with each other it can be very shakespearean
1: mm-hmm.
0: but when you mix that with the like generic villains or the generic robot he has to fight at the end and all of the tonal shifts on earth like there's a lot that's going on here that just doesn't work yeah when I put think, together
1: you know it was a, a point i think if we would have gotten thor and you can't do it because it has to be set up right but if we would have gotten thor one after avengers when they introduced all the space themes i I think they would have been a little less afraid to set the finale in space and we kind of got that with thor versus loki but having having the battle with the destroyer in the new mexico town just wasn't interesting yeah it it wasn't great it didn't look great the town just looked like a set piece and not an actual town well (laughs) the the, entire movie
0: there were also ads everywhere in that town. Anything mm. that wasn't like a bland, yeah. generic beige background was either like a Mountain Dew ad or a Pepsi ad or a Dr Pepper ad.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it it just I mean Tom Hiddleston was great as Loki. You definitely wanted to see more. After That's probably movie. the
0: standout of this whole thing, though. Is his? I mean, he's oh, a very compelling I mean, character sure. in this. Yeah, I mean, if definitely. you don't get if you don't get Loki right in this, I don't think any anyone buys into this series.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you don't get Loki in this, then you're in trouble with Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, what do you do with that? So, I, they had a lot riding on this movie. It was, it was good. You know, it didn't leave me going. I can't wait to see a Thor sequel. It, it left me like, yeah, Loki will come back in, in Avengers. Yeah. So, um, and the, you know, having the the cask of ancient winters or whatever the MacGuffin was wasn't very interesting. I don't it looked even... very much like the space stone so that kind of oh. was um not a, it wasn't visually distinct as a MacGuffin <laughs> at least in in the dark world the ether was visually interesting sort of mm-hmm. looked like symbiote <laughs> pretty much but um still yeah I mean it, it's good it's hard to go back and watch just because it's so such a dry movie and you know Hiddleston and even Anthony Hopkins is kind of fun as Odin in this one Mm -hmm. Um, but you know you definitely could get the sense that Chris Hemsworth was not really coming into his own yet
0: well I mean this was his first like breakout role this was his breakout role as well so
1: yep all right so um, we're to your 23rd
0: and my 23 is Iron Man 2 Mm. so I never saw this in theaters I only ever caught it like on cable in bits and pieces, it wasn't until like I don't know 2015 or 2016 I actually sat and watched the whole thing at once. Oh, wow. I mean, I mean, I had seen the whole thing like front beginning to end, just yeah, only in bits and pieces. But um, sitting down and watching it again at a point, it there's not much here. This was pure setup for the Avengers and for the rest of the MCU. Uh, there's there's not much to grab on to, yeah. At all, they they try and throw in Tony dealing with his father leaving him as a child, which mm-hmm. kind of gets retconned in Civil War. Now that I think about it, mm. well, he didn't was he didn't leave as a, leave him as a child, but dealing with the legacy of his father he in a just way, kind
1: of distant. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, maybe I'm not saying that the right way, but there's there's just not much here. Another thing is uh, Mickey Rourke is completely wasted here. Uh, I just—it's such a shame that Whiplash could be such a cool villain, and he's just kind of a joke in this. The yeah, the, the only the only like major redemption I can think of from this is that we get Justin Hammer out of it.
1: Yeah, he was and great.
0: Sam Rockwell Sam just kills it in that role.
1: Sam Rockwell is like a generationally good actor, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, oh, mm-hmm. he was so good as Justin Hammer and. What a shame they that you know this movie seen in such a negative light that they didn't bring him back. Right. I mean for that short the All healing King short and maybe we'll see him in Armor Wars or something, but boy, he was fantastic. That's that's the only reason I have it a little bit higher than, than twenty-three.
0: And where do you have it?
1: At twenty-two <laughs> <laughs> I said it was higher than
0: 23. <laughs> so I think I think another major thing here that I- actually is, I-, I can't even say it's for the better because we don't know, is that uh, Don Cheadle was uh, recast as Rhodey.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it- in the vacuum, after seeing these two movies, not knowing what comes next, I preferred Terrence Howard. Mm-hmm. I just thought he kind of portrayed what I think of Rhodey as a little right. bit better, like this military man. Cheetle's a little bit goofier i guess yeah um i mean he's always I love, I love what he's done since so i mean I, I love the character now i just thought i just remember thinking that i i like terrence howard better after Iron Man 2
0: i'm curious though if terrence howard stayed on as roadie do we still have roadie at this point would he have stuck it out as long as cheeto has probably not because howard's gone on to do multiple other projects probably because mm-hmm. he was he was recast but um I don't know I don't know if we still have that character at this point, if he still is Roadie.
1: It's weird to imagine Terrence Howard in like an endgame style battle with a raccoon on his shoulder, right?
0: Like, <laughs> right.
1: It's very weird. <laughs> it's a very weird, like bizarro world thing to think of.
0: I think I think something that like detracts this movie for me is that Tony just isn't likable at all in this entire thing. Yeah. He's very snobbish and standoffish, especially toward Pepper, and the mm-hmm. whole the whole film is about their relationship as well. This is all mm-hmm. this is all about his relationship to his family, to his loved yeah. ones, to what is going to be the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And it uh it, there's there's just too much going on.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of the movie is focused around how selfish and awful he is <laughs> to the mm-hmm. people in his life, but like so i think that's a point but also i feel like they didn't do a great redemption at that and that was also the kind of thing we were supposed to have seen in the first movie you know like they they focused on that a lot in, in iron man 1 as well and they did it better there right so
0: not to mention Elon Musk has a cameo in this i always forget about it until he pops up yeah
1: we got we got a significant amount of Coulson in this though that was pretty good yeah we got the first look at Cap shield, and I think the post-credits of this was Thor's hammer, right?
0: It it was, you're right. Yeah, yeah. because he was just, Colson said he was out to, going out to Arizona. Yeah. Next.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's kind of cool.
0: So, uh, so your 23 was Iron Man 2, or I'm sorry, your 22 mm-hmm. was Iron Man 2. My 22 yeah. is Incredible Hulk, which we've already oh. covered. Okay. Uh, my 21 is the first Thor.
1: My twenty-one is Ant-Man and the Wasp, so we had the we had the same <laughs> bottom five. That we did. Nice.
0: Now things get weird.
1: Yeah, I have a feeling we're gonna we're gonna vary wildly in Her- the the next twenty.
0: <laughs> right, and I'm assuming this starts your B tier.
1: This starts my B tier. Okay. No, I'm sorry. Ant-Man and the Wasp did. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I had that in the, in a different tier than Iron Man, Two, Thor, Thor: The Do- Dark World, and Incredible Hulk.
0: Okay, so you're 20.
1: My 20 is Captain America, the first Avenger. Let's hear it. So I think this is a a solid B. Like it's, it's probably the most B movie on this list. I thought it worked well to define who Steve Rogers is. He's not nearly as compelling as he is in other films, specifically starting with The Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. I liked the idea of doing the period piece. I thought the aesthetic was really cool um red skull was a fun villain one note but fun um hugo weaving did a did a good job you know it, it i thought the um the introduction to skinny steve and showing what his heart is about was was good but I just think the the entire middle part of the movie is kind of just a blur for me when I look back on it. Like, I, I think this, I think the second act was fairly weak. You know, from the point he becomes Captain America and is on, like, the propaganda tour, and we have that, like, montage scene, till the final fight, like, when they get on the train to go towards the Red Skull. I can't really place when each of the scenes are, and I can't pick out their importance. So it's kind of, um, I think the, the middle of the movie is, for lack of a better word, middling.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Actually, I just called an audible and this is now in my 20 as well.
1: Oh, OK. Nice. And
0: and for the same reasons, the more I think about it, uh, I do really enjoy this one. I, I do revisit it pretty often. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. um, I really like I, I like you said, I really like the introduction to Steve Rogers and the whole setup of of him as a character and as Captain America. Uh, the biggest drawback for me is that it's a World War Two it's a World War 2 movie, but all of the war sequences are literally montaged through in 5 minutes. Right. Like mm-hmm. like that I I would like to see more of Captain America and his um
1: the howling commandos.
0: And the, his and the howling commandos yeah played out. Like this is this is the place to do it.
1: Disney Plus, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> the Howling Commandos series would be pretty cool.
0: It would be. And one of i mean one of the things i really enjoyed about this is that they they incorporated his background as being military propaganda into his actual story here Mm -hmm. because we do have i mean we as an audience have a relationship to that as well Mm -hmm. um i mean captain america was originally written to be military propaganda to an extent i mean it's very meta yeah and I do like that aspect of it, but then when we get to the actual military stuff, you cut it out. I just, I don't mm-hmm. understand that, that choice. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I like, I like that the ending is a little cartoonish or the ending battles are a little cartoonish and a little overblown. Um, the fact that red scroll drives this l- elongated like black. It's not Cadillac, but it's uh, like a,
1: yeah. yeah,
0: you know what I'm trying? It's like a mm-hmm. real luxury luxurious car. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is really (laughs) it's almost like something i straight out of who framed roger rabbit that that warts and like this this is like two it's around two hours and i think if you pushed it's like two and a half and put some more action scenes and then this would have been propelled even farther up
1: yeah yeah and i doesn't speaking of that like final final battle and final sequence when he is on board of the helicopter or the the plane does he doesn't he throw a guy into like a propeller
0: blade and he does
1: cut into pieces he does Not you mentioned so brutal like looking back on that as like what we've seen from steve since i feel like i, I mean it was a hydra agent a nazi you know but man
0: but he still still massacred a guy it was
1: very visceral um, one thing I think this this movie did really well that's very key to the rest of Steve's arc all the way up until the end of it is um, his relationship with Peggy. Mm-hmm. They leaned on that very 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 heavily throughout the rest of of the the Captain America movies and the Avengers movies, um, and you know that's all on the back of this. I think they they sold that relationship well, and it was kind of difficult to do. I felt, you know, Captain America's. You know, he's a relatable as a person, but not as like a super soldier, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought um I thought they did a good job selling that relationship.
0: So your number nineteen.
1: My number nineteen is Ant Man. So I, Let's go. I I really like this movie. I was I was pleasantly surprised. Um it was kind of a your standard origin story. Um, which, you know, as we as we kind of You'll see throughout my list, I kind of have those towards the bottom. <laughs> um, uh, still in my B tier. I I enjoyed it. I thought Paul Rudd was a good choice. Um, I thought the emotional highs of this were a lot higher than Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the relationship between he and his family. and But at the same time, I felt that Cross as a villain wasn't compelling. No. <laughs> it was very similar to what we saw with Tony and Obadiah and Iron Man 1. Mm-hmm you know, business partner gone rogue, basically. Well, we don't even
0: see, we don't even see all of that with Cross because we only know Cross as a former business partner and and a villain, at least with with Obadiah Stane. You saw it, him and Tony had a relationship for, granted, his turn is very quick, but they have a relationship for a brief period of time. You can tell that Obadiah has watched him grow up and like Mm -hmm. respects him to a degree.
1: Whereas Hank's like already pretty much been ousted by Cross. By
0: Cross, right. Yeah. And literally he says, I hate hate Hank, but we're never explained why. Mm. We're never told why. And yep. it's just it's weird. It's a weird choice. Yeah. Just and a shame because I that... really like Corey Stahl.
1: Yeah. He was great in House of Cards. hmm um, I, I I think one of the things that bumped this down for me a little bit is the the core antagonist, the core plot in the core story threads aren't really Scott's. <laughs> it's like they wanted to use Hank Pym, but just didn't <laughs> as Ant-Man. I mean, Scott's kind of thrown into the story. You know, he's recruited by Hank to help him with his problems and it becomes more personal for Scott as it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it. I didn't feel like there was enough emphasis on Scott as a character and, and Scott's um, journey. Like, I didn't feel like he had a great arc, really.
0: So I have this I, I do have this a little higher on the list just because of the genre it's in, because it is a heist film. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I really liked that aspect of it and how they've played that up. And the fact that the production history of this of this one specifically troubles me. And I feel like I should have it lower because of that. But at the same time, I feel like Peyton Reed came in and was able to cover cover it pretty well um so Edgar Wright was supposed to direct this originally and wrote it he still gets a writing credit on it um mm-hmm. but because of creative differences uh Marv wow said him from it and he, I mean he still talks about it to this day that he's upset he couldn't finish this project and I know a lot of Edgar Wright fans would love to see an Edgar Wright version of this and I feel like to your point that Scott was kind of dragged into Hank's problems I think he right would have had a better way of reconciling those two together to make mm-hmm. it a lot more coherent
1: yeah so i mean like a couple of things i i liked about the movie i liked his fight with falcon that was really cool and very unexpected i always forget that's was... in here yeah it, it was it was a neat reveal because uh, as i remember it's scott's parachuting on a facility they need to steal tech from and as he like breaks through the crowd, clouds you see the avengers logo and scott just starts to panic <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was pretty great um the baskin robin stuff at the beginning was pretty hilarious Luis, uh like his his style of recapping <laughs> events is introduced in this movie really really good
0: i still want a whole series of Luis just recapping yeah. the mcu
1: yeah, that'd be great. Uh, the post-credit scene was pretty weak in this one. I thought it was just a scene from Civil War. Yeah, um, but overall, I mean, fun. Movie. I know a guy. Good. Yeah, good establishment
0: of Sam always knows a guy.
1: Yeah, good establishment of Scott's character. Um, Cross was eh, eh, meh. the final fight was was cool.
0: Yeah. So my nineteen, I've got Doctor Strange. The first first Doctor Strange, the only one we've gotten so far, and it's a shame. Just there's a there's a lot of potential here on this one. Mm-hmm. And it's a good, it's an interesting origin of of Stephen Strange losing his ability to perform surgeries as a as a neurosurgeon. But it, the entire film, in a way, and his entire art, just ends up boiling down to "don't touch and drive." My problem with
1: this movie, and I, I have this a bit higher than you, but still low. Um, I, I have it a seventeen. I'll just say that now. Okay. I wanted to like this so much, and I was so excited for it. And I do like it. I enjoy it. I, it I would have a it lot lower of... if it weren't for the Dormammu thing at the end. I thought that was a great that's a
0: great. That's a great fantastic. sequence.
1: Yeah, I and, would have it lower if it were not for that sequence.
0: And my my thing is, it, it it's a generic origin story to an extent. I like the stuff with uh, Baron Mordo, and yeah. I like Tilda Swinton as the ancient one. The cast overall is great in this. The performances overall are great in it. The entire thing, and but um, the entire thing just screams generic up until that sequence at the end with mm-hmm. Dormammu. Uh, I mean, even the the villain. Um, I, I can't remember his name Kacilius. right now. Kacilius, who Mads Mikkelsen is absolutely wasted in this role. Yeah. Uh, he he works with what he's got, but.
1: He almost gets into Malekith territory of just being like a stoic, boring villain. Yeah, they need. He- I think they needed some backstory of him at Carmatage. Right. I was surprised Dormammu was in it, so that brought it up for me because I, I didn't. I, I expected them to kind of reference it, but to build up to him, not to actually you know show him in his full form. But I think overall, my biggest problem with his movie, and it took me a lot of thinking to really identify what what I felt was wrong with it, and it's that most of his emotional character arc is in a montage (laughs) yeah we we, like we see him as like this jerk surgeon he breaks his hands he you know can't do surgery anymore loses his job and he goes to comertage to get his hands healed right Mm -hmm. from that point it's like montage 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 he's good at magic now and i'm like oh
0: i wanted to see that they,
1: they didn't talk about like his emotional arc like how he uh, how the experience humbled him or anything. It's just like, he's still kind of a jerk, I guess.
0: I have a, I have a strained relationship with comedy in the MCU. They, they do a pretty poor job at placing it in specific areas. I feel like this would have been the one where I wanted to see the less comedic moments. And it mm-hmm. feels like every chance they get, they throw jokes in. And Like, like the whole, uh, is this my mantra? No, it's Wi-Fi password. Like,
1: I wish that one wasn't in the trailer because I thought it was actually good. But it was, but it didn't feel like the movie that was going to be quippy <laughs> like that. But it's, I mean, Marvel movies just do that. But yeah, I I know what you mean.
0: Yeah, up until uh, up until that final sequence with Dormammu, where it's literally just playing mind games with Dormammu, on how to defeat him is that that is arguably the best part of this whole thing.
1: Oh, for sure. One of my one of my other criticisms of it, and this was what left me down on it for a while is that i just felt like the way they used magic wasn't very interesting in this no like we have we have the 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 sequence where he shot through all the different realities like when he's opening his mind and that was cool the Dorm- Dormamu stuff at the end was cool um outside of that we had just kind of a a weird like the the Mirror dimension type thing, and mm-hmm. which was interesting, but they just kept going back to that, and I, I, and then they relied too much on time things. Well,
0: it was all here just to set up the time stone for Infinity War, and that that's where I think a lot of the problems with some of these ones we're talking about now is a lot of them are just setting up plot points for other movies, and that's another criticism the MCU in general gets is that these are just commercials for what you're going to get down the road, and. I mean, unfortunately, Doctor Strange has a lot of that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, it left me excited for a sequel, but I felt like there was definitely unfulfilled potential with this one for sure. Yeah. Especially, I think what, what really made me feel that is this came a couple years after Guardians. So, Guardians really delved into the weird... The mm-hmm. wacky and like I I love that and I wanted to see more of that on like the magic side and we just didn't really get that in this right
0: speaking of weird and wacky why don't you tell us about your 18
1: uh so my 18 is Iron Man three <sighs> um, please
0: please defend this
1: I I like it more than most I feel <laughs> I have it in my B territory um, I've
0: I've got it in what would probably be your A territory so okay. let's let's hear this
1: all right so I like. I liked the twist a lot, actually. Um, But I just felt Killian wasn't a great villain. Like, his motivations were weak. That entry, the the intro scene where, like, Tony just left him on a roof or something. Like, (laughs) you had no way to, like, contact Tony afterwards. Like, I I don't know. It was just... It was weird. And I felt like he as a villain wasn't that great. Um, I liked... I actually like that we got Tony out of his suit a lot. Um, I felt, however, that the ending versus the start of Age of Ultron, the ending of this movie versus the start of Age of Ultron was very jarring. Like where he blows all of the suits up, but then it's just like an Age of Ultron. He's operating as an Avenger. I almost expected that, like, it, it just felt like this movie didn't happen in the larger MCU. Like he had, he had his PTSD, which I thought was great to show him going through that. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, he, he started dealing with it in other ways, but then he dealt with it in like the worst way possible in age of Ultron. Like, I just feel like this feels out of place in his entire arc. If that makes sense.
0: Okay. I can see where you're coming from there. See, to me that the jump from Iron Man three to age of Ultron is he is no longer he no longer wants to be responsible for actually being the world's superheroes or the world's defender, and he creates the um, he creates the other drone. I, I don't know what are they refer to the as drones from Age of Ultron.
1: Um, I don't know, like peacekeepers or something. Peacekeepers. I I can't, I, remember, I can't,
0: that. I can't remember the exact term, but he he creates the other robots to basically help him where he can't or where he can't be. And I mean, his suits were out, out outright destroyed in, in Iron Man three,
1: mm-hmm.
0: partly because of the attack on his home and partly because of his own volition where he just decides to obliterate them. Uh, so the way I saw it is this is the next, this would be a next step for him of, I no longer want to take on this role, but I will help develop that next step of, Putting a, a shield around the Earth, if you will, right. as he as he says, the character arc he goes through in this, I feel like, leads to Ultron.
1: Yeah, I can see that now. That's that's fair.
0: And I I love what Shane Black does, and I love the I, I just love Shane Black in general. Uh, I love how he writes kids. I love the kid in this. Yeah, um, I think he was pretty cool. He was. Uh, and I it it does it does get, kind of generic it is kind of generic at times but i can accept it on this one just for the fact that it has some interesting twists it plays with action in a very interesting way we see the uh, i love the seat i love the sequence of everybody falling out of air force one and the suit coming down and grabbing yeah that was everyone a cool sequence to me it's very corny all around but i like when things can get campy and corny in a good way and I think Shane Black does that extremely well. I love how over the top the man the quote Mandarin was, and the fact that we find out that it's not. And it, I know people hated that twist at first, but do you really want Ben Kingsley as the actual Mandarin at this point? No. Like I, I think we're better off getting what we're getting in Sean Chi uh, with, with a more complex background. Uh so I I really enjoyed it. It's it's one of my it's in my top twelve.
1: Okay. Fair point. I mean I, I liked it. Um I just thought that Killian wasn't very compelling. And I think the Pepper like killing Killian at the end and like knowing how to like fight was just a little weird. Um, I don't know. But I, I can I can forgive that. I mean it's a comic book movie, people just kinda know how to fight in these, right? Yeah. So
0: So your eighteen was Iron Man three. And yep. my my eighteen is another origin story, as the pattern continues in this bottom half uh, of Captain Marvel, and it's kind of a disappointment to me because I I really wanted to enjoy this more than I did. And for anybody that loves it, g- good on you. We're not I'm not trying to tear it down at all. Just I I couldn't. Um, I thought a lot of it was overly uh, sentimental and hammy in ways uh-huh that weren't good um i appreciated the whole uh feminist push behind it but i felt like in the end the film itself is a little too on too on the nose if you get what i'm trying to say
1: yeah i think what was like a, a step too far were the 90s references yeah. Right. Like those were funny in some instances, but, you know, it was almost all of the comedic moments of the film were 90s references.
0: Pretty much. <laughs>
1: like all of the jokes. Um, yeah.
0: W- one one of the biggest gripes I have specifically with the 90s references is the, the soundtrack. Um, mm. the, the, needle, the needle drops are just kind of placed, placed in there at random. Um, in specific, well, I should say at specific scenes, but there's no it's it's all non-diegetic music so that means that essentially we can hear it but the characters can't yeah and when it's when it's just dropped in at random places it doesn't always work um especially when music's supposed to set a tone for a scene or a sequence or uh or the film in general um but using no doubts just a girl during that last fight sequence when it's there's no build up to it whatsoever. Yeah. I I get what they were going for with it, and it should work. But I feel like if if when Carol was on Earth and she heard it at some point and then that led into it playing again in the fight scene, uh, mm-hmm. Guardians 2 does this a little bit better with the chain, I think it would work a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as the music goes, that, that one to me was the most disjointed, I remember. In the, mm-hmm. It almost, like, because the build-up to that moment was fine, and the, the problem is they transition from one song to another because they use a Nirvana song, I think, during the scene with the Supreme Intelligence.
0: Yeah, they used Come As You Are.
1: Come As You Are, yeah. So, I mean, they go straight from that into her big hype fight scene, right? And they just switched to yeah. a different song, and it just felt kind of, Disjointed. I would mm-hmm. rather just had the original score of the y- film because I felt like her theme was pretty cool. Yeah, like, as far as the score goes, right. So I I wanted to see that. It can be good, like you mentioned with the chain. Um, the best example in the MCU is um, Immigrant Song. In easily, Rock. easily. Like and th- and that that was the only instance of uh, a song like that being used. Whereas here, it was almost overwhelming, like with the number of ninety songs they tried to just mm-hmm. shove into here. <laughs>
0: i mean we're we're kind of hammering home on a minor detail uh but mm-hmm. I, I just overall that's a pretty good example of all of the problems we have is mm-hmm. there are all just these little things that keep it for for both of us
1: yeah my my biggest problem, and I think this is a a valid criticism, and I also know it was an explicit choice by them, <clears throat> which makes me want to criticize it even more. The decision to have Carol have like a memory wipe for the entire movie. Because mm-hmm. we never really, in this movie or really in Endgame due to her limited uh, screen time, we never really got a sense for who Carol is. <laughs> they mostly told us in the movie who she was right you know, before the accident. And we got a couple flashbacks with her and Maria. Overall, I just felt like we saw. A pre-warrior Carol Danvers, and we saw like memory-wiped memory, memory wiped Carol Danvers. Right. And even in the last fight, I feel like we weren't really seeing who Carol was. And the good thing with this is they have almost a blank slate for the character's personality <laughs> to work with in the next film, right? And they, yeah. and they they are switching directors, so that could be good. Um, Nia DaCosta is going to direct it instead of Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck.
0: Yeah, and that's a shame, because I really like both of their work. Um, there are a couple that, they do all of their productions together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really liked H- half Nelson. I really liked, it's kind of a funny story. Still get to see sugar, but uh, I, I, when I saw that they were directing this, I got really excited because mm-hmm. they, they have a, a unique visual style. It doesn't really come off here. Yeah. Uh, this just felt like a gen, the, the, the visual cues felt, felt very generic Marvel to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and it felt like at points they were just kind of going through the beats of of every hero's origin. Mm-hmm. Not to mention a lot of the side characters that were kind of hyped up that they were bringing back, uh, like Coulson. Like Coulson, yeah, Coulson was kind of wasted in this one. Yeah, I think um, it was
1: more. It was. Yeah, they played it up like it was going to be more than an Easter egg, but it was more, more like closer to an Easter egg, right? Like yeah. he had his own character poster, I think, and stuff. And it was like, yeah, he had maybe like five or six lines.
0: Ronan was another one where they were hyping him up to bring him back. Mm-hmm. And and the, he was one of the biggest gripes of Guardians of the Galaxy. He was one of the biggest criticisms of it is he wasn't a great villain. <laughs> Because yeah. there's there's not much to him, and so to bring him back and hype him up to say, oh, he's coming back. You'd expect just a little more backstory story mm-hmm. to him, or a little bit more development, but no, he's still just an extremist that yeah. wants it, to take out the scrolls.
1: Yeah, and Korath coming back too. I feel like those two cameos in particular, because that I mean, they basically were cameos, right?
0: Essentially. Um,
1: those two, in particular, felt like the only thing they did was make the universe feel small <laughs> yeah it's like we've had we've had two movies that are focused in space
0: and have the same or two
1: franchises, yeah, and like we have these two characters that kind of show up in both and in a way that doesn't relate the two movies to each other, really, like the plots mm-hmm. you know, um aside from you know being sort of involved with infinity stones, but yeah, I agree with you there i I still had this movie in my B tier. Um, a little mm-hmm. bit higher than you, I had it at sixteen. But the good, if, if I could talk about the good of it, I thought the the casting was great. Oh yeah. Um, Ben Mendelsohn as Talos was amazing, and <laughs> I can't wait to see more of him. Um, Samuel L. Jackson playing younger Nick Fury was a lot of fun. I thought Brie Larson was good, given what she had to work <laughs> with. Yeah, like, given I, I
0: given what she had. I I yeah. mean I I honestly. I can't think of anyone else who could play this character. Yeah, looking at it, uh, I know. I mean, I know we just kind of ragged on the characterization of Carol Danvers, so she didn't have much to work with. But I would like to see what she can do because she's Brie Larson's a fantastic actress, and I would genuinely like to see what she, what else she can bring to the table on with mm-hmm. this character.
1: I, I really want to see how she plays off of certain actors. That you know, like I, I felt like. You know, when she's sharing the screen with other powerful actors, she's only better. You know, mm-hmm.
0: oh, <laughs> like yeah, she
1: has Samuel L. Jackson. I'm really excited to see um, scenes of her and adult Monica. Like you feel mm-hmm. like there's going to be some emotional tension there, some potential for some um, some really good scenes between those two. Um, and you you would imagine, you know, in making the choice to to hire Monica that they the, the actress for Monica, they would do some sort of chemistry test. Right. Because they're going to be a pretty integral part of Captain Marvel, too. Both of them working together. So and then, you know, you get you'll get to see her as a mentor role. To, yeah. Uh, Kamala Khan as well, uh, which I, I'm almost a little nervous about what they're packing into that movie, because I really wanted that movie to focus on Carol. You know, I, I really want to know more about her character. And uh, I she almost to me right now me needs like a, a Captain America, the Winter Soldier treatment. Just like take a movie to redefine like what this what this franchise is. Mm hmm and set most of it in space <laughs> that's what i want to see mostly oh,
0: don't give us another another fish out of water story
1: oh no please no that's hey, what ma- I, it made me think of thor like it was thor done better you know yeah fish i mean out how many
0: how many of those have we had so far thor uh Doc- i guess doctor strange and captain yeah. marvel i mm-hmm. guess you should argue ant-man as well to an extent
1: yeah and in a in, in a way, in a way
0: so yeah i i i I will say i know you mentioned ben mendelson was a great was a great pick um i he was probably my favorite performance in this whole thing because he's just hamming it up to the nth degree and i i couldn't have asked for more from him yeah he's he's one of my favorite actors working today and when i saw he was he when i saw he was in this um I forget, was it it was never confirmed that he was a scroll at that point, was it, it
1: I think it was. I okay. think it was confirmed he was playing Talos. Okay. Yeah. But
0: but to see that he had he had his character had some range in this one, going oh, from yeah. potential terrorist to extremely sympathetic character in the span of two hours. Um and he pulled off the entire thing.
1: What I thought was really great was in like kind of the opening scene after Carol gets captured. Um, doing that mission with the Kree. Mm-hmm. There's the scene where the Scrolls are like going through her memories and Ben Mendelsohn's talking and they're, they're like kind of like aloof and goofy. Yeah. And, and I was like watching it and I'm like, this is so weird. Like I didn't expect them to be like this. And then it turns out like they're not bad.
0: Right. People. That's like, why.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it, it makes that like it recontextualizes the whole the whole rest of the movie. And I, I really, really like that. And I thought it was great. Like it reminded me a lot of the the Mandarin twist in Iron Man three. So I thought this one was more effective, though, just because the the twist added a bit more to the story as well. I, I like the characterization of Talos after after that twist a lot. He and Samuel L. Jackson as Fury had a lot of a lot of good dialogue.
0: Yeah, a lot of good chemistry between the two of them.
1: Yeah, I, I had that one at sixteen.
0: All right. Oh, one one thing we didn't mention about it was Jude Law.
1: Oh yeah, He's pretty good. <laughs> it mean, shows,
0: shows how much we cared about about Rock. Yeah, a, you know, he's in it.
1: Yeah, a weird mean, villain. Not the strongest villain. I I really liked how she chumped him at the end though, and he's like, "Let's fight one on one," and she just blasted
0: him like. Yeah.
1: Of course, she doesn't have to prove anything to him, so I, yeah. I like that scene a lot.
0: Yes, yeah. got the message across. Yeah, fun way to he's...
1: kind of subvert the expectations of a final battle.
0: <laughs> yeah. Over. Yeah. Overall, the film is fine the the complaints i have with it are just minor things along the way that add up to just it being meh to me
1: Mm -hmm. so that's actually the final movie of my um b tier
0: oh boy so we're we're gonna have a long debate then
1: (laughs) (laughs) my b tier is ant-man and the wasp at 21 captain america the first avenger at 20 ant-man at 19 iron man 3 at 18 doctor strange at 17 Captain Marvel at 16, and then that's that's my beat here. All right. So I'm down to 15. I think uh, what we have left from you right now is your 17, huh?
0: Yes. So my 17 is Avengers Age of Ultron.
1: Okay. And so I, I actually have that at 15. That's my mm-hmm. first uh, tier A movie.
0: <laughs> yep. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute then. And my 16 was Ant-Man, which we've already talked about.
1: Mm. Okay. So, um,
0: and again, you know, John what? John's using a, a CBA tiered system. I don't have that. Mine's just twenty five through thirteen, based mm-hmm. yeah, on yeah, my own my, personal criteria.
1: And mine still is that. I just to me, you it, it was, them together that way. It was way, easier which... to group them and then rank them within that group.
0: Yeah, I mean that's so, that's a way to do it.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I thought it was. I thought it'd be easier in the future too, because I can you know without looking at my rankings narrow how I need to place it based on what like letter grade I give I uh, give the mm-hmm. future project. So, so yeah what are what are your thoughts on Age of Ultron? We had it ranked so, around a similar place. So
0: yeah, so it it's kind of a shame because I I really like this. I really like the concept behind this. There's a lot of great action. There's a lot of great character development. There's a lot of great set pieces. I like the whole idea of James Spader playing Ultron. I like the idea of Ultron. And it just I think you, I had seen it, I think three times in the theater's opening weekend. I was so excited for it. Mm -hmm. There was so much potential with what they could do with it. And I just, I just never want to go back to it. It, there's not like it's still great, but there's, it's just pure plot at, at points. And I just, and it just sets up more for the MCU at points. And I just, it's, it's weird to me, you know? Like, Mm i'm trying to think of a good way to describe it and all i can say is it maybe because my expectations were so high that reality didn't meet those expectations and i just haven't found a way to to reconcile those two yet but for me it just it doesn't sit well with me anymore
1: yeah i mean i i still really enjoy it um, yeah it's it's definitely to me far and away like the weakest avengers movie like it, it didn't Looking back, it doesn't it doesn't quite feel like the event that the other ones do, right? I th- like I remember I th- seeing it in theaters, it felt like an event.
0: I think but, that's um, I think that's a good way to say it.
1: Mm-hmm. It it didn't it didn't feel as much like must see like I have to go out and and watch this again the way I felt with the other three. When I saw it in theaters, I did not mind all the setup for future things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I got really hyped seeing, you know, all the infinity stones and Thanos in the post credit, even though that makes zero sense. Now looking back at it. Uh, I, um, that's that's one <laughs>
0: thing I've been thinking about the past week that just has never, it, it just caught up to me that why is this here? Yeah. It's up um, to set up Thanos again for
1: all of their, all of their visions. Um, no pun intended, but having, having the, um heimdall show up to thor having him go to the the pool or whatever that was just nonsense to show the infinity stones again (laughs) which i i mean i remember seeing that in theater and like eating it up and being like oh my goodness like i can't believe they're doing
0: this yeah
1: like because i was just a sucker for that kind of thing i do think pre-infinity war i would have had this lower i think actually infinity war and endgame brought this up a bit because okay um Interesting. because of the seeds that were laid in that you know the, the the idea of Tony wanting to put a suit of armor around the world mm-hmm. the the line when you know Tony says we'll lose and Cap says we'll do that together too th- that they call back to an end game after they lose Yeah, I, I just feel like this movie for all that it establishes with the Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver you know we get Claw in this movie <laughs> um such but if I could pick one big flaw, it's that they didn't make Ultron intimidating enough. You know, for yeah, he's, having he's a, very quippy
0: for being yeah. such a, such a, uh, like an important villain in the comics.
1: Yeah. Which I think, you know, is, is them trying to show that he's partially Tony.
0: Yeah. And I <laughs> but get I, that. I
1: still don't, I, I would have rather just had a menacing Ultron. Um, they, the, the trailers look terrifying. Like it was going to be like almost a horror movie. <laughs> Like yeah. they had the, the Pinocchio, <laughs> no strings on me thing right. in the trailer. And they had that, but then nothing really passed that. I mean, the rest of the time, he was kind of just this quippy, like pretty, pretty vanilla villain, you know? I, I mean, he was cool. His design was a little weird. I would rather have just the classic Ultron. I know why they wanted to give him facial expressions and stuff like that. But um, I, I didn't think you needed that. So I, I think that's my my biggest criticism isn't even so much the the unnecessary world building and future teases. It's mostly just Ultron himself.
0: Yeah. And that's a shame because Ultron is such an interesting character because he's supposed to be like the brainchild of Tony. He's he's technically supposed to be the brainchild of Hank Pym. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Hank wasn't introduced until Ant-Man. And I kind of like the reference that the indirect reference that Ultron is one of Stark's creations that, and, and pim hates Stark, um, but it's it, it's a, it, I, I'm just I'm I'm lo- I'm at a loss for words because I think James Spader is such a great pick f- oh, for Ultron. Pick. He was a fantastic pick, and uh, the quips the I, I think I think my biggest problem is his development as well in this because he's when he's born he he fights and kills jarvis mm-hmm. in as a as a program and then goes out to the internet realizes humanity needs to be reset and quote cleaned um and Which essentially you
1: can blame him after seeing the internet
0: i mean yeah <laughs> spends not even five minutes on the internet and realizes yeah. the worst of humanity is out there <laughs> <laughs> Coming from two guys who you were listening to on the internet, exactly. <laughs> um But I, the other the, th- the thing with his development for me is that it took me a while to realize that he was like just unity from Rick and Morty, <laughs> that he was just a program that was jumping body to body and and husk to husk to yeah. To, and was all over the place and all of a sudden he had this he was this large individual but when wanda rips his robot heart out if you want to call it that there's still one left on the outskirts of town yeah you know what i mean like i i just in in concept the idea of of ultron is interesting of him as a religious zealot as well Mm -hmm. given that uh, I mean, it's pretty hard to ignore all of the religious imag- imagery that's in this movie. Him oh, sitting yeah. in a church, him yep. quoting the Bible at times, uh, him wanting to purify the yeah. world. But even um, that's
1: not, it. none of that's, they don't delve deep enough into that. No. To justify just, including it, you know? They're just <laughs>
0: very surface level references to yeah. to to try and characterize him, but I, I think I wanted a little bit more of that because that's an interesting idea of making this robot a a zealot. I mean, having the idea of Vision essentially correcting him and saying that humanity is not perfect. I understand it, but I was born. yes, I understand that, but I was born yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think having Vision and Ultron have a little more back and forth on that would have been yep. a lot more interesting than just that last scene.
1: They needed more scenes together before that because that that scene was, to me, the best in the movie. I love that line. It's one of my favorite scenes in the MCU. You know, just Ultron saying, you're doomed and Vision. (laughs) You know, (laughs) as as we definitely know him to do now, like settling things with philosophical debates. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, it, it... It was a great scene and I would have loved more than that. I I hope they bring Ultron back, honestly, eventually. If you find out that he why didn't he just send one of the bots off to hide away somewhere, you know, that he could (laughs) use later? Or why does he need those specific bots to to survive? I mean,
0: he's out Uh, on the internet already. Yeah. Well, vision cut him off. Yeah, vision cut him off, but there's still probably part of him out there. So that's not how the
1: internet works. like you can't just erase, erase somebody's digital footprint nowadays
0: <laughs> right so, <laughs> so uh,
1: yeah i i i fully agree with that i would love to see a an episode of what if uh that focuses on like if ultron did get uploaded to vision's body mm-hmm. what happened in age of ultron that could be interesting
0: that would be really interesting
1: like to see what ultron vision looks like
0: i mean yeah i would agree it's the weakest of the four avengers movies i i I still don't have major problems with it it's just ultron Mm. himself that brings it down a lot for me and i i did like your point that it does set up a lot for for phase three but to me that makes it age terribly that's fair because when i go back and watch scenes from it of like tony and steve chopping wood together and they're they're starting their argument that obviously that sets up civil war. Like we know where that's going. And I think we have an idea of I, I think just from the way instead of having that specific scene, they could have um they could have just shown how these two characters handle the handle the situation. And I think right. that would have worked a little bit better. It also would have trimmed the fat on this and maybe not maybe not have us spend as much time at Clint's farm
1: family farm yeah <laughs> i didn't have a huge problem with that it just felt no. um out of the blue <laughs> yeah it just took a second to like wrap your mind around what was happening because it just felt so strange but uh, i didn't have a huge problem with that um, well,
0: well especially since it felt like this was their way of kind of shoehorning in more hawkeye development
1: oh it was making up for avengers one mm-hmm. for jeremy renner
0: <laughs> pretty much so
1: yeah all right
0: also well, side note i think hearing some of the development of uh justice the justice lead cut of justice lead uh hearing a lot of that brings this one down for me as well because that's a lot fair. of a lot of the development for justice lead was affected by whedon's reaction to fans reaction of age of Ultron. yeah because fans weren't huge fans of it he was like pissed on set and yeah. created a, a very toxic work environment Oh uh, boy!
1: all right well that's um that's my <laughs> 15 So I guess we're down to your 15 now.
0: Oh, boy. I got some defending to do on this one. My 15 is Guardians of the Galaxy. No, it's not. The first one.
1: All right. End the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) For good. This this will be our final episode. (laughs) It's been fun. (laughs) It's been fun. I can no longer collaborate with this man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here's my thing. I still love this movie. Don't get me wrong. I can't personally, I can't put it in my top 12 though. I, it's not that I have major gripes with it. I just think there are things that are better than it. Um, my bid, my biggest pro I, I, for me, the second one far outweighs this one. It's much better in my opinion. Um, also I have a personal connection to the second one that I may or may not get into. We'll see how I feel at that point. Um, that really heightens that one for me this one i like james gunn's direction i like his script i like the performances the casting i can't think of anybody else that should be in any of these roles um i think bradley cooper as a talking raccoon is absolutely genius (laughs) and when that was announced everyone was confused but now it makes perfect sense um for me this is another one of the we're we're partially setting up Infinity War at this point because of the Thanos tie-in. The entire film, revol- the entire story, revolves around the Power Stone, mm-hmm. and I felt like at times, it, I, I'd give it all the credit in the world for getting as weird as possible with like the collector, mm-hmm. and. um and nowhere and all the eccentricities that come with visiting these weird worlds. Um, but to me, it just felt like we were taking pit stops at places. And this is, this is all coming from time weighing down on the or time yeah, yeah, yeah. sitting with this after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just feel like we were setting up the power stone. We were setting up more of Thanos and, and we were just setting up Nebula and Gamora's relationship which I, I love that it's explored in more detail in 2 mm-hmm. than it is here. Here, it's just more combative. In 2, it delves more into that relationship. And I, I think I would have enjoyed it more if they would have maybe if he would have thrown that in here instead of putting it in 2. Um, absolutely love the soundtrack on this one, too. Some of the best and weirdest comedy of the MCU the fact that he threw in a Jetson Pollock reference. I, I saw this at the union town theater uh, with one of my friends from college. Well, one of my friends from high school and college. And as soon as we walked out of the theater, I quoted that and he, and he said, gun knew his audience and by throwing that line in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. He knew <laughs> exactly <laughs> who he was talking to. <laughs> it was a good one. <laughs> um, so i it's not that I hate this movie. Don't get me wrong. I still love it. I, st- I still go back to it, but there are others uh, that are better than it for me.
1: That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I, if I could, I'll use this space to talk about my criticisms of the movie. Um, I think I come at this one with a lot of bias. <laughs> like I, okay. I admit there are flaws to it. Um, I have it ranked a lot higher than this simply because I just find it like insanely rewatchable. And I, I just, and it I, is and really
0: enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it okay. is.
1: So um, yeah, I mean, Ronan is a, fun villain but not just kind of one note Um, Mm -hmm. i i didn't mind the thanos stuff just because it it was more natural to the story given like his relationship with gamora Mm -hmm. um i would have been more disappointed if he didn't show up in this one and i get why he wasn't in two and i'm kind of glad he wasn't in two um i'm
0: glad it was the shadow of him in two that right
1: yeah, like he was we weighing on Gamora, weighing on Nebula. Mm-hmm. Like you still felt his presence, even though he didn't show up. into mm-hmm. I like that. I felt like you did need to establish him a little bit more in this, even though looking back, that establishment didn't really do much for him. <laughs> okay, he didn't need it, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they, it felt at the time like okay, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thanos' daughter. We know we're getting Thanos, so we have to see Thanos. In this mm-hmm. right. And it felt like at that time they didn't know exactly how they were going to handle Infinity War and such. That's fair. So they just I, played him as this kind of menacing villain, which he is, but, you know, didn't dive into the the why of why he's trying to get the stones or anything like that that we explored so much in Infinity War.
0: I mean, at that point, I believe Whedon was still slated to jump on to Infinity War. I don't think he was taken off. Of I do yeah, I don't because... even know if they
1: had a director for it at all. Because this was 2014. This
0: came out in 2014. Age of Ultron came out in 2015. So yeah.
1: they didn't even announce Infinity War till 2015.
0: No, but I, I there was, I think there was an inclination that he was going to be attached to a third Avengers. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think people just kind of assumed, and obviously with the response to Age of Ultron, it, that didn't happen. Right. <laughs> so, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> Because you know, I wouldn't have wanted anyone but the Russos to do.
0: We'll get to that. We'll get to them <laughs> we'll get, next week.
1: Yeah, we'll get to them next week. Because <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: Spoiler alert: all of their stuff is up top. Yeah. For both of us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway.
1: Um. So yeah, I mean, I I have I don't have that much more to say on Guardians this week because yeah. I have it a lot higher, but I'll I'll sing some phrases next week for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah again it's it's not that i hate it don't get me wrong it's only in the bottom half because i find things that are a lot more not enjoyable but i find more value in up top
1: yeah fair enough and i think we're gonna have the same discussion except on the opposite end with my number 14 okay which is iron man
0: yeah we are gonna have a separate discussion (laughs) now we can end the podcast
1: (laughs) um this being you know in quote unquote, the bottom half. I still have it, you know, in my A tier. Um, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think looking back, you know, Obadiah Stane isn't that great of a villain. It still falls into the trope of the, the villain's an evil mirror of the hero and has the mm-hmm. same power set. Um, even though he had kind of like a Hulkbuster-esque armor. Um, I think his turn was too quick and he, he got too much into the comic booky villain villain um, territory and i I feel like I would have this higher if I were to fully take into account that it like started the MCU. you know like I, I, I had it initially really high, and then you know I thought really critically about it and decided that a lot of the reason I had it that high was just because of how it you know started everything and, and the, the the character of Tony Stark um, and mm-hmm. how big of a risk it was at the time. I really love the movie. Like I said, I, I think it's an A movie. It's in my in my A tier. Um, I think there are some villain problems a little bit compared to some of the other villains we've seen in, in recent years and how Marvel's really kind of, in the last three years, the last half of Phase 3 and onward, their villain game really turned around. Mm-hmm. Maybe even the entire Phase 3 onward, their villain game turned around. So I I have it down a little bit low um i think there are some elements of the movie that just feel a little bit dated and it's not that much of a criticism
0: see this is where this is where i kind of disagree with you because i, I get where you're coming from where it where you're saying this chips off the mcu but the way i see it this can stand on its own as its own film mm-hmm. like yeah. like you don't have to watch the post-credit scene and everything else can make sense it's it's set maybe for colson being in it just in one or mm-hmm. two scenes you could literally cut off the post-credit scene, and it stands stands on its own oh, about sure. about an arms dealer who comes to terms with the things that he has done and wants to make peace with that. And there's, I I think there's great character development in here, and great character growth, and I really like the fact that um, it was a gamble for Marvel to, to cast Robert Downey Jr. of all people, sure. who who had a very rocky career up to this point. Yep. Uh, who then essentially embol- embodied Tony Stark in himself in his public persona, and it got the redemption art that he truly deserved. I think, and yeah, I'll I'll agree with you. The stuff with Obadiah Stane is a little corny. Whenever he he just up and turns and says, "I'm the one- who do you think the one that mm-hmm. who do you think's the one that yeah. uh, sold the sold those or who's the one that voted you out?" I, yeah, I think that's a little much, but I can forgive it on that in this case, just because it, it, to me, this one has aged very well because it, it, it came out in 2008. This was, if you think about it, this is going to sound weird and I don't mean to really delve into politics, but this was like the last of these movies of the Bush era of, uh, of dealing with either shady arms deals in the middle East or dealing with the war in Afghanistan and Iraq before we hit the Obama era. And it, I feel like this made things a little more black and white than we got in future installments. So mm-hmm. I think it's a very interesting uh, either historical document or relic of that, of those last couple years of that era. So I think it's, I, th- I think it holds up pretty well, at least to me. So that, that's, that's why that's, not to, not to mention, points. not to mention with, with it kicking off the MCU, it set up a, I think it set up a great template for, what's to come between except for iron man 2 between and and the incredible hulk and thor yeah (laughs) um i think it ended up setting up a great template for what character development could happen in these movies it didn't just have to be a a sam raimi spider-man trilogy where we get peter parker's arc over three installments
1: yeah and i think I think me having it at this spot is more representative, more more of a compliment to the things that I have above it, as opposed to that's fair. A knock on this itself. Like I I I have this I mentioned in my A, in my A category. Mm-hmm. Um, my next category is A plus. Oh, okay. So, I wasn't aware of this. Yeah, and then I have a then I have an S category. The S okay.
0: <laughs> okay. So
1: in, in my um in my A tier. Once we get into the my A plus tier those are things that I have kind of categorized in my head as I could rewatch these at any time mm-hmm. basically and it's right now it's my top ten that are a and s combined um, so with with this and the things below it, I feel like I have to kind of be in a certain headspace to go back and and watch these and I can't just it's not an automatic like I could sit down and a hundred percent watch this anytime I feel like it and still really enjoy myself
0: that's fair that that's that's pretty fair and uh understandable Mm -hmm. so my 14 is falcon and the winter soldier
1: ah okay
0: yeah i know we've talked this up for the past six weeks now
1: yeah i don't know how much more we have to say on that one
0: yeah Uh, essentially to sum it up there are a lot of to me there are a lot of great things in this show and there are a lot of underdeveloped things in this show um all the stuff are sam's arc sits top bucky's is right underneath him carly and sharon sit at the bottom and the flat smashers sit at the bottom and those two groupings really outweigh each other in this and not to say i don't want to go back to this at some point and revisit it but i just i i might need some time away from it first before i can maybe evaluate this in a different way
1: mm-hmm i have this at 13 by the way um oh, so yeah. i have it you know in the middle ground in my a tier <laughs> um but it, it i completely agree with you i mean the sharon parts were bad the carly parts were just sloppy <laughs> um i like john walker's arc a lot i loved zemo's involvement sam's arc you know rightfully was the focus and it was incredible oh, yeah, john's arc, one too. of one of the best Hero arcs we've ever gotten in the MCU um, for Sam, and you know Bucky's was really good too. If not, you know it's not as big of a focus as Sam, but his is more of a, a subtle growth over the series. Um, so I like that. I, I think you know the the Sharon stuff and the Flag Smasher stuff drug it drug the series down where mm-hmm. it, it could have been you know a, a top tier piece of MCU content. Right. Honestly, um, and I just don't see it as that uh, i i do would like to rewatch this this kind of strikes me as one that is gonna look a little bit better over time as we flesh out the rest of sam's career as cap you know assuming if, if the share sharon power broker stuff pays off it might make this look a little bit better if they kind of just drop it going forward due to the response that it seems to be getting then it's mm-hmm. going to look worse um yeah i have it as you know middle of the ground it would be a lot lower if not for Sam's arc and the courage they had to dive Easily. into racism and everything. Easily, you know. Thankfully, that was the focus of the show, right. and I, I don't think the the Carly stuff and the flag smashers and Sharon brought it down enough to to move it lower in the list. Just no, because Sam. Sam. Sam's arc keeps it afloat, and they did some good stuff with John Walker and Bucky and Zemo as well. So, mm-hmm. but if you want more of our our thoughts on that we've (laughs) we've covered it very much in depth um probably what like
0: almost eight hours of podcast sits to eight hours of podcasting on that so go check out our previous episodes if you're if you're interested actually please go please go check those out
1: okay so i think the last thing we have to cover this week is your number 13
0: yeah and this is going to shock a lot of people (laughs) so brace yourselves but I put the first Avengers in this bottom half at number 13. Wow,
1: Captain America, the first Avenger.
0: Yeah. <laughs> again, <laughs> how did I get there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the Avengers, the, the 2012 yeah. uh, first team up. <laughs> I, it's not again. It's the same thing with Guardians. It's not that I don't like it. It's not that there's a lot wrong with it. I just think there are th- The other Avengers movies were better than this. The other two were better than this. And there are a lot of individual entries that make that make this look worse to me. The only major part of it. I like looking back at it is the battle of New York. And that's a good 45 minutes of, of the whole movie. So the whole thing acts as a, as an event in and of itself, mm-hmm. to me, it, there's no character development in it, it's hard to it's pure plot at this point, And it's, hard for me to want to sit down and just watch this one. Hmm. Not to mention I like Loki as a villain. I like him in, I like Tom Hiddleston's performance in this. I feel like, he, I feel like they kind of forced Loki to be a villain in this case. Interesting. Like, I I feel like they forced him to be the villain of, of this one. I get that they set him up in Thor to do that, but mm-hmm. he just kind of shows up and declares himself ruler of earth. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. of a sudden not so and... much
1: a trickster more of just like a standard villain right?
0: yeah and all the stuff with the Chitari. We, we forgot to touch on this in in, the, in one of our falcon winter soldier episodes but this chips off the whole big three of aliens androids and wizards <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um but this was the first set of aliens that they fought and it's i don't know it, it they're just generic villains because they can't yeah. be beating up on humans and I still don't understand what the Chitari are supposed to be doing. Is Thanos supposed to be trying to take over Earth at this point? Or it, there's just a, there. There shouldn't be this many questions that come with an Avengers movie. Yeah, <laughs> to me, since I watched it last a couple of years ago, I haven't wanted to go back to it since.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Also, on... the
0: the nostalgia's worn off on it for me.
1: Yeah, I think I could, I still look at it through rose-colored glasses for sure, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, I agree on the Loki stuff. I mean, I think this is his weakest film just because he's given more one-note role to play in mm-hmm. the nature of the movie. So I, I do agree with that. I don't agree, uh, necessarily agree with the um, lack of character development. I mean, we we see Tony go from being selfish and you know not wanting to even team up with with cap or anybody to make in the sacrifice play in the end. And you could argue that that kind of was his arc in the first movie anyways, becoming more selfless. So he was kind of on that track anyways, but I think he made steps there. That's kind of his arc
0: in all of his movies.
1: Yeah, honestly, it really is. Um, (laughs) As far as Steve goes to, I mean, I think the only two that had it in this film were, were those two. Mm -hmm. Um, And for Steve, you know i think this is really where his mistrust of the government starts starts when right. they were
0: going to new new york
1: yeah well there's that and like when you know fury's talking about having these high tech weapons they oh, developed yeah. for aliens and steve goes and snoops around and finds all the hydro weapons and mm-hmm. i think that Looking back after the Winter Soldier, it's like, oh, they had the Hydra weapons because they're Hydra.
0: <laughs> that makes more sense now. Now that you put it that way, I I, yeah. I honestly never put that together until I didn't right either. Now. I didn't either.
1: <laughs> that's a, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I think this is where, and maybe the the character development didn't pay off here, but this is where they started to lay the seeds for that arc for Steve, um, that you know was greatly expanded upon in the Winter Soldier.
0: Mm hmm. Um, which we'll definitely get into next mm -hmm. episode
1: yeah and uh, i i just really like this movie i did have it in my top 12 we can talk about exactly where next week um and i can i can sing some more praises for it then
0: Mm -hmm. and uh, again all for these 13 that we just covered that's not to say that we hated them necessarily Uh, i know we just kind of crapped all over them for the past hour and a half Mm -hmm. but um there's still there's still a lot of good in all of these. That should still watch all of them if you get yeah. the chance. Um, even the ones that we said to skip, put them on in the background. You'll still get something out of it. Yeah, so, so, still so enjoyable movies. Yeah, some of these are are good if you just need a night in and don't want like and just want to turn your brain off for two hours. Yep. A lot of the ones in the bottom five were that are that way. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, to me to me I still like I still like the first Avengers. Um I as much trouble as Joss Whedon has come out to be, I like what he did with this and the fact that they brought him in after doing multiple TV series that dealt with team-ups like this. I thought it was a good idea and it worked. Yeah.
1: Yep, it did. Uh,
0: the one I mean the one the one thing I thought was a little odd too was this was the our first introduction to Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner. So the fact they just kind of had him walk out on screen and introduce himself was a little odd.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know why you had to do it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what else you would do in that situation.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a tough, tough thing.
0: And I mean, to be honest, I, that's one of the things that's aged the best about this. I don't I can't see Edward Norton doing any other mm-hmm. <laughs> any other Marvel films after this I definitely can't see him in Ragnarok
1: I know I was just thinking <laughs> Ragnarok like Edward Norton wearing the the Duran Duran t-shirt and <laughs> on Sakaar he's <is> like <laughs> what an image that's almost as good as <laughs> Terrence Howard with a raccoon on his shoulder
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah so I I think if um I think of this series if this entire series didn't get overly campy and fun and weird, it would work keeping him down on earth. But the fact that they cast somebody who has a a wide range from drama to comedy in Mark Ruffalo, uh, Mm -hmm. they can get weird with Hulk at this point.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: That's our bottom 13 pits.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we only have a bottom 13 because there are 25 properties (laughs) in the Marvel cinematic universe. So, like you said, it's not a not saying they're garbage movies because they're in the bottom half, it's just you have so many things that are good,
0: yeah, in here, right? So, do it. Do you want to recap your bottom, your bottom from starting from the bottom?
1: Sure, can. So, at 25, I had the Incredible Hulk, 24, Thor, Thor the Dark World, 23, Thor, 22, Iron Man 2, 21, Ant Man and the Wasp, 20. Captain America, the first Avenger 19, Ant Man 18, Iron Man 3, 17, Doctor Strange 16, Captain Marvel 15, Avengers Age of Ultron 14, Iron Man, and 13, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier.
0: And for me at 25, I had Thor of the Dark World 24, Ant Man and the Wasp 23, Iron Man 2, 22, The Incredible Hulk 21, Thor 20. Captain America, the first Avenger at 19. I had Dr. Strange, 18, Captain Marvel, 17, Avengers, Age of Ultron, 16, Ant-Man, 15, Guardians of the Galaxy, 14, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier, and 13, the Avengers.
1: All right. Well, make sure to join us next week for our top 12. It's going to um, be a
0: fun ride.
1: Yeah. Based on this, I mean, you can, you can determine what those are. But the order remains a mystery. <laughs> so, um, you know, take a look at our, our show notes. We have the, um, all of our social media handles there. If you have any questions, just shoot us an email or reach out to us on Twitter. And, you know, as always, have, have a great week. We're happy to have you here with us to talk through our rankings.